You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 28 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in my kitchen studio this week is my co-host Simon Waltorton. Hello, Simon. Hello, Carlos. And how is Simon this week? Uh, yeah, fine. Uh, not too bad. Uh, it's a little bit breezy outside. I'm uh, feeling a little bit autumnal as we uh, approach uh, the end of August. Yeah. Um, we've had uh, a lot of bad storms in the last few weeks, haven't we? We have had some quite uh, dodgy weather over the last yes, few Yes, high days. winds, uh, heavy rain, flooding, storms. The, uh, what was it? The... Uh, remnants of that um, hurricane from the US. Bertha. Was yes, it Bertha? Yes, hurricane it was. Hurricane Bertha. Yeah. We never get any uh, storms to name in the UK, do we really? No, no. We've had a couple of uh, tornadoes as well, um, I believe, so seeing uh, pictures on the media sites. So, yeah. Good, we should name them tornadoes. <laughs> yeah. Tornado. Yeah. Tornadoes. G- GR4. Uh, John. <laughs> yeah. I- I'd name mine TriStar. Yep. Would you? Well, that's a surprise. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got um, quite a lot to talk about in the, this uh, uh, show. As I put on Facebook a few days ago, um, we've got two Lancasters now uh, flying, uh, uh, one from uh, Canada, which is uh, good, isn't it? Yeah, they're, uh, they arrived in the UK um, uh, early, it was, it was it late last week, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we'll be talking about that uh, later. So as we record this episode, it is half past three on the in the afternoon, on the eleventh of August, and uh, tomorrow is my birthday. Yes, well, uh, I've got your card, <laughs> and that's from me and Wayne. Happy birthday! Excellent. So I've uh, I've got that to look forward to tomorrow. So on my birthday, I've got something very special planned. Yes, uh, well, I'm I'm going to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to work. <laughs> silence. <laughs> I know, silence is golden. Um, yes, unfortunately, as with every year, which seems to be every year nowadays, I seem to be working on my birthday. Yes, um, that's uh, the same with me as well. It's rather unfortunate, but there we go. I yeah. do have the podcast to listen uh, to, to look forward to. Yes, and uh, um, you've got your afternoon free tomorrow and your evening, so um, I'm sure you'll uh, be spending time with the wife. Yes, certainly will. So we've got lots of news to get through uh, from the last uh, week. And uh, Simon's got his military aviation news. And he's also got some air show news. And he's also got uh, a rundown of all the uh, dates coming up for the rest of this year uh, that the Red Arrows will be attending. Uh, So if you're ready, Simon, we'll kick off with the weekly news. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. So kicking off this week's news then, we've got uh, a new story on Flight Global's site. And this one is regarding the preliminary MH17 report, which is still weeks away. Dutch investigators have uh, indicated that a preliminary report into the loss of the Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 is still several weeks away. Preliminary reports into high-profile accidents are usually filed within 30 days, but inquiries into the destruction of the 777 over eastern Ukraine on the 17th of July have been complicated by the armed conflict in the region. 
The Dutch Safety Board has uh, moved its team to The Hague to assist uh, or assess its data, pointing out that it does not need to be in the Ukraine for this work, adding that it's uncertain whether it will be able to gather further information from the crash site. It says that preliminary report will be based on sources including the cockpit voice and flight data recorder and air traffic control and radar information and possibly satellite photographs. The investigation team is focused on producing a preliminary finding which uh, the Dutch Safety Board says it intends to publish in a few weeks' time. So, Simon, not a huge amount of news there, but uh, obviously the investigations are ongoing into, um, well, exactly... You know, we know how the aircraft is yes. brought down, but uh, we're still to find out really uh, definitively who brought down. The yes, uh, yeah, and I think uh, this uh, is going to take uh, many, many months and a few years, if not longer than that, to uh, find out because um, no one's got to admit for this. And um, also, I don't exactly think that they've recovered all the uh, bodies from the actual uh, area of the crash site. No, they haven't rem- they've recovered all the remains. I think they're they're trying to uh, recover as much as they can. Yes, but, uh, uh, yeah. Obviously, as we said, it's uh, very hostile environment. Hostile environment, yeah, very hostile indeed. But uh, that's currently uh, the sort of the latest news that we have on that. So uh, we'll uh, come back to that uh, in another episode when we have some more yes. news. So next piece of news then uh, was something that happened as well um, recently. It was the crash of uh, an. Uh, Antonov 140, or it's an Iran 140. Uh, that was in Tehran. Uh, the turboprop aircraft operated by Sefan Airlines uh, crashed in Iran, uh, the state run Islamic Republic news agency IRNA reported. Uh, they said that there were fatalities in the incident, um, but as yet uh, are confirmed the number. 48 people were on board the Hesse Iran uh, 140, agency reports. The <coughs> aircraft, uh, which the registration was Echo Papa, Golf Papa Alpha, reportedly crashed at around 09.45 local time, shortly after taking off from Mohammabad Airport in the Iranian capital Tehran. It was operating on a domestic route to Tabas, says the IRNA. The Iran 140 is a locally built variant of the Antonov AN140 and it's assembled under license by Hesse in Isfahan. Flight Global's Ascend Fleets database lists Sefan Airlines as the owner of the aircraft which was built in 2006 and originally operated by the Iranian police. Now, I've asked, looked at the pictures. Uh, obviously, we've got a picture in front of us here with the, uh, on the site with the tail, t- with the, uh, tail section of the aircraft, um, which is, is fairly intact, Simon, would yes, you say? Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think it was... It couldn't have been that high, uh, according to the... Uh, looking at this uh, photo... Of, um, no, I think the reports, initial reports, said the aircraft uh, came down just after it um, it took off, I think, apparently, yes, according yeah. to the report. But, uh, like I said, it's a twin-prop aircraft, the Antonov, um, and uh, as we said, it's built under license um, in uh, Iran, um, obviously under license from uh, from Antonov, uh, but uh, still a terrible crash and uh, loss of life. It's, uh, it's coming. It's, it's starting to be rather a uh, a bad year, really. Simon, yes, for for aviation. Yes. Although we must stress, though, as most people who uh, who follow aviation 
will probably already know that uh, flying is still very safe, the safest way to travel. <coughs> yes. Um, uh, and it's just been rather unfortunate that this year we've had, uh, you know, the incidents that we've had. Yes. <coughs> yeah, it's been uh, the statistics for this year don't um, uh, look very good. Um, and we're sort of just over halfway through the year. So it's uh, such a shame. So next piece of news then, moving on, is uh, on the Travel Mole site. And uh, an airline has collapsed, leaving UK passengers with worthless tickets. The uh, new airline, Fly Olympic AB, which was selling flights from London, Af- uh, London to Africa via Sweden and Greece, has cancelled all its services and filed for bankruptcy. The uh, airline, it claimed, after two weeks of trying to find a solution to its financial difficulties, has decided to throw in the towel. It blamed a new operation to Africa, which performed dramatically below all reasonable expectations for the failure. It offers flights from Gatwick uh, to Eritrea and Somalia via Stockholm and Athens, which were featured on Skyscanner. But it began cancelling services several weeks ago, leading to speculation that the airline, which launched in February this year, was a scam outfit. A statement on the airline's website headed that the losses sustained were too great for a company of their size to survive. They discussed with several investment groups and uh, in a bid to save the company, but unfortunately time ran out. All flights are cancelled and all reservations, therefore, are also cancelled. And an administrator will be appointed as soon as possible to take over the running of the company, it said. The CAA said that their flights were not covered by its atoll scheme. Instead, it said passengers who booked directly with the airline via a credit or debit card should contact their car provider. Passengers who purchase scheduled airline failure insurance, SAFI, should contact their insurer. And passengers who book through a travel agent are being directed from uh, to them in the first instance. So this airline, Simon, Fly Olympic, not one that I've heard of. Obviously, a new startup airline uh, for this year. Yes, and uh, this one isn't associated uh, with, uh, I think it's Olympic Airlines, uh, which is still going strong and has been for many years. So, um, and I think they're still going. Um, do you know the the one I'm on about with the Olympic rings on a blue background on the tail? That's it. Yeah, the Olympic uh, actual Greek, the actual Greek. Yes, airline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they are still um, going strong. Um, but like we have been saying in previous podcasts, there's so much competition at the moment. Um, but a lot of these uh, local airports are um, having extra airlines, and uh, they're just fighting uh, for the. Um, all the passengers that are out there and it's so like i said so much competition but you've got to get <coughs> the format of the aircraft right you've got to get the uh the actual routes right and uh, everything else and all the logistics that goes with it uh right um to uh, be successful and obviously uh this looks a bit of a mickey mouse uh sort of setup so um and uh, they've gone. It, to it, I think it's a tough environment now, Simon, yes. for any airline to yes. start up. There's so many low cost carriers, not just in the UK but around the world. Yes, um, <coughs> that have started up and have made a success. Yes, uh, Southwest, obviously EasyJet, Ryanair. Yes, uh, and um, there's a lot of other in, in India. There's a, uh, some in India as well, which are low cost airlines, which which run as well, yes. which are very successful. Yeah. And it's, I think it's hard for any airline really to start up and try and compete with the uh, with the bigger low cost airlines yes. that are already in, already running. Yes, and the the what the, excuse me the the 
successful um, regional uh, sort of airlines most probably have all the best flying slot times and routes. So anybody mm. starting up is going to try very hard to get the um, right sort of format of uh, flights. So And fuel costs as well. Yes, yeah. Because they go <coughs> up and up all the time. Next piece of news then, travel, uh, t- the Times travel site. This one is uh, fare increases uh, with Ryanair and EasyJet. Average fares at Europe's biggest low-cost carriers have risen uh, between 12 and 20% since the last year. You're right there, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, research has shown. Uh, Ryanair, the average cost of a one-way ticket uh, is 65 euros or 52 pounds, up from 58 euros or 46 pounds, an increase of around 12%. The rise comes since the announcement of a new customer-friendly agenda by Michael O'Leary, the airline's chief executive. EasyJet fares have increased even more by nearly 20%, from €72 to uh, €87. And at Wizz Air, the Hungarian low-cost carrier, they've risen by 13.5%, from €60 to €70. Whichairline.com, the website that released the figures suggested that Ryanair's new approach was partly behind the increase in its fares. Ryanair, well known obviously for its low-cost fares and very strict baggage allowance, decided to change its policy and is now more friendly. Among those changes were reduced infant fees and a 50% reduction on allocated seating charges for children in a bid to win over families and also a drop in the charge for checking luggage in at the airport from £60 to £30 a bag, and your introduction as well of a 24-hour grace period during which passengers will be able to correct minor errors such as spelling mistakes free of charge. Previously, such charges cost £110 per person, and the airline's boarding pass reissue fee was also cut from a staggering £70 to £15. So... The uh, actual figures then, Simon, showing then that the fares, even though they're still low cost, the fares have gone up. Yes. I think it was inevitable, <coughs> really, that uh, these, you know, the airfare yeah. are going to go up, even with the low cost carriers. Yeah, Ryanair have actually changed uh, a lot of their um, formats and uh, luggage uh, restrictions and everything um, and reduced them. But then they're adding it on because they're uh, somewhere else because they've put the price of the uh, fares up. So you're not going to win in the long run because they've just added more. Um, they put their... Uh, EasyJet put up by was it um, a percentage uh, higher than yeah EasyJet has gone up by twenty percent their fares yes um, so I think uh, they've added they've took um, made it easier and cheaper but then they've added um, on on the increase in fares so <clears throat> which is a shame but it still it still does work out there on cheaper to fly. Not all the time, but most of the time with those yeah. two airlines, yes. EasyJet yeah. and Ryanair. So next piece of news then, um, some more EasyJet and Ryanair news. Because we we have to cover a bit of EasyJet and Ryanair, especially yeah. Ryanair. We need to do more flyby, you know. Mm, we do actually, yeah, our local, well, local-ish <coughs> airline, don't we, Ray? Yes. So this one uh, is on the Telegraph site. And uh, it, uh, the headline is EasyJet versus Ryanair. Who's winning for the battle for passengers? EasyJet and its low-cost airline rival Ryanair have both reported passenger rises uh, in traffic for July. But just how do the carriers compare? 
So we've got a chart here uh, in front of us, and Simon, uh, to say uh, how many uh, passengers in July EasyJet and Ryanair covered. So in July, EasyJet uh, managed to carry 6.4 million passengers, and Ryanair managed to bring in 9.15 million. So quite a difference there, Simon, wouldn't you say, of passengers to, uh, carried. Uh, the number of passengers in the 12 months ending uh, July uh, was 63.8 million for EasyJet and 83 million for Ryanair. So quite a marked difference there as well in the Simon between the two. Yes. Uh, the percentage of seats occupied on flights in July uh, were 92.9% for EasyJet and 91% for Ryanair. So slightly in favour of uh, EasyJet there. Yes, um, only uh, slightly. And uh, the revenue for um, EasyJet is £1.24 billion. Um, pounds, and uh, Ryanair is £1.496 billion, which is... Euros, yeah. Yes, euros, uh, which is £119 billion. So there's just a small gap, which uh, seems to be getting uh, tighter. So Ryanair are <coughs> carrying more passengers, but EasyJet, uh, EasyJet are uh, have got slightly more revenue in the last three months um, than Ryanair, but still a popular, uh, both a popular airline. Um, EasyJet, uh, which is famous for its bright orange livery, as we all know, has been re uh, been remapping. Uh, up or re- ramping up capacity, I should say, at Gatwick Airport following the purchase of 25 takeoff and landing slots from Flybe last year in a £20 million deal. The airline, which is the biggest low cost uh, airline in Britain, said on Wednesday that its load factors also improved by 1.3% of points in July to 92.9%. Load factors are crucial as they indicate how many seats on flights were occupied. Ryanair's passenger growth in the month was more muted at 4%, although the Irish airline still flew 42% more passengers than its rival, and Ryanair flew 9.15 million passengers in July, as its new touchy-feely image gained attraction with passengers. Ryanair's load factors also took a major leap forward last month, proving improving by 3% uh, uh, to 91%. Um, so there we go then. There's the figures. So obviously, as we said, Ryanair, uh, ending, uh, 12 months ending July, uh, 83 million passengers. And EasyJet, uh, total passengers in the 12 months ending July, 64 million. Um You've flown with EasyJet, haven't you, Simon? And I've obviously flown with um, well, I've flown with EasyJet, but more often Ryanair. Um, both a comparable airline. I think they're both fairly as good as uh, some of their bad points and some of the good points. As we talked about before in previous podcasts, I have to say I prefer EasyJet. That's <laughs> <laughs> just me as a low cost carrier. Yes, uh, I do. Although I haven't flown Ryanair, you'll have to uh, you'll have to book a flight with uh, Mister Bother. To uh, some European destination, Simon, go for a uh, or David Harris uh, or he's... David Harris. Yeah, David uh, could get us a uh, train journey to the airport, couldn't he? Yes, with his, uh, his he, connection. He's our uh, top uh, encyclopedia for aircraft and everything, <laughs> and uh, we love him to bits, uh, don't we? We do. Yeah, we do. You'll have to uh, if, for those of you who, who uh, uh, wonder who David Harris is. If you look at our Facebook page and go on the Plain Talking UK Facebook page. 
You'll see David Harris as one of our followers on there. He is, he is as Simon said, a, a walking, talking encyclopedia of aviation. Anything you want to know, he is the man to ask. Yes, and uh, he'll, he makes a complete diary of every single trip that he makes um, to any air show, um, including his uh, train uh, rides as well, and writing down all the numbers, which is good. And uh, we do get, um, uh, we're now getting a very uh, exciting uh, sort of feedback and uh, everything from him, and a sort of a diary. Um, of his um, antics at the air shows, which is good, because he also writes the flight times down as well, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. He keeps a track on all the flight times, when and when aircraft are coming in and out of Yes, airports. and uh, whereabouts are actually situated and what uh, runways are taking off and landing on. So he, um, um, hopefully um, he is coming over here um, sort of towards the uh, autumn time. We're going to take him to Flixton, um, so that should be good. Yeah. We'll get some pictures on the sh- on the uh, Facebook page. You'll all be able to see him. So, next piece of news, moving on, and is on the Aviation Today website. And this one is regarding Virgin Atlantic and uh, Virgin to build long haul future on connected seven eight sevens. So, the uh, on October the twenty eighth uh, this year, Virgin Atlantic will become the first European carrier to operate the Boeing seven eight seven nine. An aircraft at CEO Craig Keeger says that it will make up 40% of its commercial fleet by 2018. Beyond the aircraft's highly publicised fuel efficiency, Virgin will also look at uh, using and enabling the uh, infrastructure in order to deploy an effective maintenance strategy for one of the most technologically advanced airliners on the market today. Nearly 1,000 or 146,000 parameters of flight data can be collected from the 787. While in flight, uh, the enabling infrastructure sends aircraft health data automatically via the aircraft communi- uh, communications addressing and reporting system, which most of you will know as ACARS. This in flight data gives the live condition of the 787's avionics uh, systems to Virgin's integrated operational control center throughout the phase, all phases of flight. This can uh, be used to uh, plan maintenance actions for the aircraft before it lands, making sure the manpower, tools, and materials are available as soon as the aircraft arrives at the gate. As soon as the aircraft lands, it will connect directly to the airline's back office systems via a cellular data system and provide details of the operation of over a 1,000 parameters, according to an engineer for Virgin Atlantic who wished to remain unnamed. Virgin Atlantic has used this same process with its legacy fleets, but also with increased data available on the 787, their hope is to be able to monitor the trend of component health with the global, uh, the goal of removing uh, components before failure, which would increase the operational reliability of the aircraft, the source said. Using a, a more effective aircraft maintenance strategy can also help the Virgin Atlantic's plan to return to profitability. The 7879 is 21% more efficient per flight than equivalent-sized aircraft in Virgin's fleet. That combined with the more efficient maintenance schedule should help the airline reverse its recent consecutive annual losses in revenue, including 2013's reported loss of $86 million. 
Virgin 787-9s, like all other aircraft in its current fleet, will also enter service compliant with the European Link 2000 Plus mandate, which requires aircraft flying in European airspace to equip for controller pilot data link communications, or CPDLC, using VHF data link VDL mode 2. The 787 will be delivered with a higher standard fans or future air navigation system, enabling high-speed data links, the source said. However, one area which version will not take advantage of on the 787-9 is with the use of electronic flight bags, or EFBs, as we, as we know what they are. While the airline is currently considering the starting the process of obtaining approval for EFB operations, Virgin 787-9 flight crews will still be using paper-based aircraft operation, ma- operation manuals and navigational charts for commercial passenger flights. The 787 comes with a standard EFB system in the cockpit. When it comes to IFE, though, Virgin will continue to in- innovate passenger cabin environment that it always has been well known for. The Dreamliner fleet will be equipped with the JAM IFE system, which features a 12.1-inch touchscreen monitor and handset. JAM also features a technology hub allowing passengers to connect their smartphones and tablets to the system to either watch or listen to their own content on the touchscreen monitor. So Virgin moving along in leaps and bounds, Simon, uh, with 7879. Yeah, so that's um, actually... Uh, looking at this, is that when it goes into service on the twenty eighth of October? Yeah, on the twenty eighth of October, it will be become they'll be uh, become the first European carrier to operate the seven eight seven nine. Yes, um, that'll be uh, pretty good because um, they've held back on the uh, Dream, um, not the Dream uh, liner. They've held back on the A three eighty, haven't they? Yes, um, they have. Yeah. Um, so this uh, will be a welcome to the Virgin Atlantic's sort of fleet because I know a lot of the uh, aircraft are sort of starting to get quite old. Um, uh, the 747 400s um, and a few of the other aircraft. So, yeah, that should be uh, really interesting. Yep. Well, uh, that's another one. I'm going to have to book a flight to go on now. All these flights I'm going to need to book, in, <coughs> book to go on these aircraft, so I'm going to be poor. Yes. Uh, on an, another <laughs> uh, note associated uh, with the uh, Dreamliner, I'd just like to say um, uh, my friend, or oh, my friend and Carlos's friend, uh, Mr. Wayne Bover, he's just come back from America and uh, he flew out on the 777. Uh, extra range, I think it was a 300 uh, version. And uh, also he went on the CRJ 700 regional jet uh, operated by uh, United and Continental Skywest um, as well. And then on the way back, he's had the, the regional jet again. And then um, he uh, had the Dreamliner from Houston back to London Heathrow. Um, Lucky Wayne. Yes, yes. Um, he sent me some photos, um, which I have posted some up. And it's, um, I didn't realise until he um, sent me the photos, you've got new blinds on the um, on the actual uh, windows. You've got sort of remote control uh, buttons, which are uh, located just below the uh, windows um, to tint the glass, which I think is really, really good, isn't it? They are pretty uh, funky sort of techn- technology uh, <laughs> um, windows there, which is sort of touch, they sort of dim, don't they? They've got yes. inbuilt. Uh, and you can uh, tint it to um, a sort of a ambience of your choice um, which is really nice and he said it was a lovely aircraft to fly on and uh, a very smooth flight and uh, he was uh, telling me about the uh, curvature of the wings um, mm. 
I just got that sort of, they got new winglets because they don't need them because of the shape of the wings is sort of curved. They sort of curve backwards, don't they? The, the, yes, curve backwards and upwards. Hmm. And they look a really nice um, aircraft in the sky as well. Um, so he's beaten me and you've beaten <laughs> and me. Oh, yeah, I'm oh, seriously yeah. going to have to get my flying <laughs> wings out again because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm slacking behind here. Um, all uh, I'm the, normally a triple seven man, regional jets, uh, Fogger uh, friendships. Um, you, but you have, you've been on the 380 now, Simon. Yes. You but have, I have been on the Airbus A380. Yes, I've been on the A380. Um, Not flying, but you've no. been on the test Yes, bed. yeah. Um, thanks for uh, giving me, I forgot about that. <laughs> How can I forget about that? No, uh, thanks for the, <laughs> telling me. Um, yes, um, so I need to get sort of back into the flying thing. He didn't even realise um, that he was coming back on this until he was in the sort of uh, uh, airport lounge and he said, that looks a strange aircraft. He said to his dad, and uh, then when he got on it, he realised it was the uh, the Dreamliner. So um, yeah, uh, uh, nice sort of flight back. So excellent. Was that the cat just coming? That was yeah, the cat just coming. She's uh, she's just been out for her wander round. Yeah, to, uh, what a life, eh? a cat's life. <laughs> I'm going to come back as a cat because it's such an easy life. Probably eat, eat, sleep, and just go out. That's it. I think I will as well. well. Yeah, definitely. Own double bed to itself. Oh, no. Oh, it's own bedroom. Can it? <laughs> Listeners, you cannot believe it. Carlos's cat, Poppy, has got its own bedroom and a double bed. Oh, now all our listeners know now. Oh. Oh, they all think I'm a mad cat man. Well, you are. Oh, yeah. Okay, I am. Who likes flying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so moving swiftly on then, the Mail Online uh, picked this story up just before we start the show. Um. Bizarre, Simon. These sorts of stories do make me smile. Uh, this one's regarding a Thompson Dreamliner uh, that uh, had a uh, slight emergency in uh, uh, landing uh, in the Azores and uh, had an engine failure. And uh, people on board um, were fearful for their lives. Um, as According to this report, uh, they were losing altitude at 500 feet per minute after the engine shutdown. Now, I'm not a pilot. Uh, obviously, Pip's a pilot. Uh, he listens, hopefully listens to the show. And I'm pretty sure, Simon, that when you lose an engine on a, on a twin-engined passenger jet, especially on, on something like the Dreamliner, you don't suddenly go into a, a steep dive and, um, you know, uh, <coughs> screaming and, you know, this. I think they, they do a, a gradual descent to a lower altitude and then obviously divert to an alternate yes. airport. yes. But uh, according to the report on here, um, the uh, a mother has, t- has said on here about uh, the fact they lost 500 feet a minute after the shutdown. Very frightening. Everyone was on edge, and they were f- they feared that the aircraft would plunge into the sea. Uh, apparently, according to this, there were 288 passengers on board the <coughs> Boeing 787, and it was flying from the Dominican Republic to Manchester. Uh, when the drama, mid-air drama, unfolded miles from land. They were approximately an hour and a half into the flight, and they noticed that the engine noise changed and uh, the aircraft started to dip. The captain announced that they had an engine failure and shut the second engine down on the right-hand side of the plane and said that they would have to divert to land in the Azores. 
Describing what happened next, Mrs. Barton, who was traveling with her daughter, added, it was a really frightening landing. Everyone was on edge. We were told to expect a bumpy landing because they had to use double thrust on one engine. And we could see all the fire engines on the ground before we landed. Because it was dark, it seemed so scary. All those flashing lights made everything look worse. And they said it was just a precaution, but they were all extremely worried. The couple said passengers were then left to sit on the stricken jet on the military airbase's runway for five hours before being allowed inside. Mrs Barton said it was only when everyone became agitated that the commander let them use the rest house in the airport. And Mr Barton, a 57, a print engineer, said that there were armed guards at the three exits with big machine guns and we couldn't move for hours. So this aircraft obviously landed uh, at uh, a military base in the Azores. Uh, the rescue plane that was sent out to them was a 767-300, uh, which, uh, they were, which was loaded up uh, with all the stuff the next day um, before they took off back to Manchester uh, with a delay of... They had a delay of 11 hours and 23 minutes. Um, it's... Uh, well, it's just one of those things, I think, this, a lot of these things get blown out of proportion, I think. Yeah. Uh, people who are unsure of um, how things operate on uh, on aircraft tend to panic slightly when things like this happen. But as most people know, all twin-engine jet aircraft, you know, can fly on one engine. Uh, it's um, something that happens, you know, quite frequently, I think, engine shutdowns yeah. um, on, on twin-engine aircraft. And they're quite easy or, or, or capable of, um, you know, to flying to an alternative air or alternative airport with just one engine. Yes. <clears throat> but uh, these reports obviously, uh, you know, state that the passengers were rather un, uh, unnerved by the whole uh, in uh, whole thing, you know, which happened. But it's interesting to see Simon on the report that their replacement aircraft they sent out was uh, a good old. Seven six seven three hundred. Yes, yep. Uh, good old workhorse. Yes, um, <clears throat> I think most, if not all, of the Thompson seven six seven fleet are all ex Britannia aircraft. Yes, um, which you can normally always see by the uh, registration, like I've said to you before, Simon, with the uh, OYG. Most of them have got the OY or BY. Yes, on the registration, so you can tell they're ex Britannia yep. aircraft. Yes, but, I've uh, flown them many a times. They were a great little ally, airline. Mm, yeah, Britannia were definitely yeah. But the seven six seven, what an awesome workhorse, Simon. Yes, and it's still all going these years, still going still strong. going strong. And uh, to be quite honest, um, haven't flown a Dreamliner, but a lot of these older aircraft uh, seem a lot uh, better. Um, and these more up-to-date aircraft, don't they? They do. So, next piece of news. Simon's smiling here as he looks at the screen. This <coughs> news is from the Times of Malta. Regular listeners will know of my love of the island of Malta. And this one is Ryanair celebrates carrying 5 million passengers to and from Malta. Ryanair celebrated carrying the 5 million passengers at Malta Airport just last week. The airline, which began operating in Malta in 2006 with two routes to and from London, Luton and Pisa, now offers today some 28 destinations across 11 markets. The airline said it was celebrating this milestone by releasing 100,000 seats for sale across its European network at prices from €19.99 for travel in August, September and October. The low fare seats are available for booking until Monday at midnight, which is this week. 
Tourism Minister Edward Zamet Louis said that Ryanair's Malta results were impressive, with Malta increasing its tourism volume. By tapping into the growing low-cost airline segment route, the expansion has been encouraged, this facility link from Malta, to Krakow for the first time. Kunis and other cities which improve both the connectivity and accessibility to the islands, especially in the winter times. The encouraged route expansion, in a way which opened new routes, new markets, and limited overlaps to a bare minimum with expanded route networks and with a more feasible manner, in a way which also channeled growth into the off-peak months and at the same time ensuring a safeguard and sustainability of the national air carrier Air Malta, he said. Though one of those five million is me. (laughs) Um, Quite a few times now. Um, awesome airport to fly to, or awesome island to fly. Lovely airport, Malta is Luca Airport in Malta, a really really nice airport. Um, you're yet to go there, aren't you, Simon? No, I've been. Oh, you've been. Oh, you have been to Malta. Yes, sorry, yes. sorry. Yes, I forget. forget yes, um, I've flown on uh, Air Malta and British Airways. So uh, ah, yes, yes, yes. Well, you'll have to fly there, with Ryanair, Simon. You can be one of those five million no, passengers. I'll, uh, go on the uh, um, Air Malta. <laughs> <laughs> Flying from our local airport, Norwich, no doubt. Yes. So Business Traveller website then, uh, British Airways are to trial pre-flight meal selection services. So British Airways are going to trial an online pre-flight meal selection service on some of its routes. The carrier will also allow passengers uh, on long haul in First and Club World to pre-select their food choices from the in-flight menu before they arrive at the airport. It's thought the trial will take place later this year, although no firm dates have been set. A BA spokesman told Business Traveller site that we are always looking at ways to enhance our catering and give our customers more choice. We plan to run a trial on small number of routes to offer customers travelling in first and club world the opportunity to pre-select their menu choices in advance of their flight. Earlier this week, BA suspended its flights to Liberia and Sierra Leone due to the Ebola outbreak in both countries. So, Simon, pre-book your meal, yeah, but that, that only is, in first and club world. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Um, uh, perhaps a good idea, just a little bit more uh, work to uh, make sure that people get their correct food rather than on board. So I don't know uh, whether this is just to gain extra passengers or what, but... Um, or whether whether they charge for for the option to pre-book your meal, yes. it might be a, yes. a small charge yes. on, the, on the booking fee. Yeah. To Any way to make meal. money? <laughs> well, these airlines have got to make money somehow. Simon. Yes, yeah. So, uh, just touching on this subject as well in the news, Simon's going to speak more about this later. But obviously, uh, this is uh, in the BBC news uh, about the Lancaster bombers' visit to Durham Tees Valley Airport. And uh, the tickets to uh, see the airports at the air- the aircraft at the airports have sold out. Um, they in, they within, sold out within three days. Goodness me! Um, but uh, Simon's going to bring you some more information on that in his segment. But just thought I'd drop that one in yes, there because yep. uh, it's quite uh, quite. We saw the Lancaster, didn't we? At yes. uh, Riyadh. Yes, and hopefully, um, I think it's been confirmed for Duxford. We'll uh, possibly see that at Duxford and. Uh, Keep a lookout next week because uh, we've got the Clacton Air Show. Um, unfortunately, I'm working both days, which is a shame. Um, but I may be up to Norwich Airport in the evening to see the uh, Reds just after work if um, if I don't actually uh, miss uh, miss the Reds on their uh, sort of takeoff. Yeah. So. so last piece of news on the South China Morning Post site. Uh, 
Another uh, disruptive passenger, Simon, who's forced a London-bound flight back to Hong Kong. A rowdy passenger forced a London-bound Virgin Atlantic flight back to Hong Kong in the early hours of Monday morning. The plane had travelled around a 1,000 kilometres before pilots decided to perform a U-turn and return to the city. He was accused of singing, shouting and waving his hands in his seat, a police source said. He allegedly pushed away flight attendants while being asked to calm down. Virgin Atlantic can confirm that due to a disruptive passenger, flight VS201 to London Heathrow returned to Hong Kong and was met by authorities on arrival, the airline said in a statement. Hong Kong police said that a 26-year-old man identified as Robert began shouting during the flight and ignored flight attendants' request to calm down. The plane crew alerted airport control, who in turn alerted Hong Kong police. The aircraft made the U-turn above China's Sichuan province and started the 1,000-kilometre journey back to its departure point. The Airbus A340 entered Hong Kong's airspace at around 3am in the morning before finally landing at 3.40am. The man, who according to Hong Kong police is a foreign citizen, was arrested for violating the aviation security ordinance and was taken to Princess Margaret Hospital. He remains in custody on Monday evening and has not been charged. Hong Kong's airport authority confirmed the return of the flight but declined to provide further information. Virgin Atlantic said that the 240 passengers and 16 crew on board the jet and the passengers were offered accommodation in Hong Kong overnight and the aircraft was scheduled to depart later on that day. The airline does not tolerate disruptive behaviour by passengers on board its aircraft, it said in a statement and the Hong, the plane was scheduled to arrive in London at 5.25am local time, or 12.30pm Hong Kong time. So yet another passenger, Simon, on a flight, uh, you know, being dragged off. We've had a, quite a few of these lately. Yes, um, there was one the other day, wasn't there, where they arrested um, a gentleman off the aircraft. That Was that in the UK? Can you remember that one? Yeah, that was, um, I think, did we have that story on... That was, oh, I forget what story that was. Now, that was the chap who, oh, that was a, the, the chap on the Thompson flight, I think it was, Simon. Yes. Um, or was it the Qatar? Or was it a Qatar? Oh, actually, no, it was a Qatar. You're right. It was an A330 Qatar that had to uh, had to divert and be escorted um, by one of our fighter jets um, because a chap was, yeah, um, was, was um, being unruly on Yes, board. that was uh, diverted to Manchester and escorted by one of the typhoons, um, which uh, is um, one of the RAF uh, typhoons from uh, Coningsby. And um, those aircraft are on standby 24-7, 365 days of the year in case we do get any um, aircraft sort of um, hostile environments. And normally they are taken straight to Stansted uh, or escorted straight to Stansted. But... um, those typhoons that do escort them are fully loaded up with uh, live weapons to take the aircraft out of the sky over um, sort of unpopulated land. Yes, here we go. Um, we've got the news here. That was a Qatar aircraft, yeah, A330 flight QR23. That was escorted by, as Simon was saying, saying the typhoon. Uh, it was an A330 with 269 passengers on board and 13 crew. And as Simon quite rightly said, the uh, aircraft, a typhoon, RAF typhoon, was launched from RAF Coningsby 
in Lincolnshire as part of its quick reaction alert role when the pilot requested assistance. So that uh, that chap was arrested as well. So these instances seem to be popping up uh, quite regularly now, Simon, yes. with um, the, the people sort of uh, losing the plot, yes. as we say, yes. on board aircraft. Not something to, uh, to really sort of do on an aircraft, especially not uh, in this day and age with security as it is now. But unfortunately, people, a lot of some people do tend to uh, overdo the alcohol, Simon, uh, before yes, they fly. Yes, and I know uh, some airlines are flying with United now. They didn't, didn't used to, but they do now. Um, they actually uh, sort of uh, charge, um, obviously, uh, soft drink beverages are complimentary, but um, alcoholic ones are sort of um, uh, actually uh, charged for, so... Which is a uh, word of warning into anyone listening. Don't uh, don't be uh, unruly and uh, loud on an aircraft because you could be carried off. Yes, by yeah. by the, and cause a lot of it's a lot of disruption as well for passengers. Simon, when these flights have to divert, and uh, it upsets a lot of the passengers as well when they're uh, having to witness these people being dragged off the aircraft. Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, last story then for the news segment for this week. And uh, we're going to come back uh, after this with Simon's uh, military aviation and air show news. Uh, So we will come back to you after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Crash, crash, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. Uh, that was low, wasn't it, Simon? It was. That was low as well. <laughs> that was that was rather low, wasn't it? Oh dear, we did enjoy that. We do enjoy aircraft sounds and noises yes. very much. So, I wish I'd have bought that CD um, of the aircraft sounds, which I, was reduced at Farnborough the other week. It was only three pounds, normally about uh, twelve pounds for the aircraft sounds. Um, we need yeah. an updated one of those. Um, next time, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for that. I'm going to buy it and play it in the car. <laughs> So, Simon, if you're ready to do your military aviation and yes. air show segment, we're yes. going to let you get on with that now. You ready? Yeah, let's go and right. do that. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. 
So with his military aviation and air show news, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. Um, yeah, as uh, we were talking about earlier in our podcast, uh, this podcast, um, we have now, uh, for two months only, have two Lancasters uh, in the UK. And uh, although 7,377 Lancaster aircraft were produced between 1941 and 1946, only two remain airworthy. One, a Mark I nicknamed Thumper, is maintained by the RAF's BBMF, which um, everybody knows as the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight, and the other the, by the Canadian Warplane Heritage Mu- Museum, which is the CWHM. Today, these iconic aircraft came together for the first time, uh, this was a few days ago, as uh, CWHM's Vera, named for its uh, identification markings of V-A-R, as... Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks VRA. For, <laughs> yes, yeah, thanks for um, thing on this uh, Lancaster arrived in England after a transatlantic flight from its home in Ontario. Um, and uh, this was actually uh, available to uh, on Flight Radar 24. And uh, I know yeah. quite a few people were actually tracking it yeah. um, over. And it was the icon on the aircraft, because I've got the icon the same as you, uh, and normally tells you what aircraft type it is by looking at the, the little uh, icons on the map. Um, it didn't actually show up as a sort of a, a Lancaster. I think it was showing up as a 737-shaped uh, aircraft. Um, but obviously, uh, I uh, did uh, track that on its uh, final few um, um, hours um, coming into Coningsby. They were supposed to do a, um, a fly in and fly past with the Reds and the other Lancaster, but due to weather conditions, um, it was uh, uh, cancelled, um, which is such a shame. So, uh, yeah, and um, the, the uh, air, two Lancasters um, will be uh, f- pleasing crowds at 60 venues across the UK um, in, in a year that sees the Royal Canadian Air Force celebrating its 90th anniversary. Two Lancaster uh, tours commemorate the shared experience of the UK and Canada pl- pilots during World War II, in which 50,000 RCAF airmen and women served with the Bomber Command of nearly 56,000 Bomber Command aircrew who died during World War II. Some 10,000 were Canadians serving either in the RAF or the RCAF, which is a Royal Canadian Air Force squadrons. Canadians served for all the four RAF Command Bomber Fighter Coastal Transport Command and 16% of the gallantry awards to Air Force personnel were made to the Royal Canada Air Force personnel, including two VCs. So the relationship between uh, the RAF and the RCAF endures to the present day with 10 RCAF personnel currently on exchange with the RAF and shared operational taskings, including Libya and the Baltic. Now, these... um, Aircraft. Obviously, the one from Canada has come over, and um, they have to do servicing on the aircraft every so many hours. So, it's going to be based at RAF Coningsby uh, with the other Lancaster from the um, BBMF, and uh, we know there that they have all the uh, spare parts. And um, obviously, Canadian uh, Lancaster uh, crew have brought parts over. So, um, but it's in good hands, and it's. Um, I saw the picture the other day. Um, over in the hangar, which is rather full now uh, with the two Lancasters and obviously we've got the Hurricanes and the Spitfires and the Dakotas and the Chipmunks in there. So it's quite a nice uh, full hangar. 
And I know the uh, welcome party the other day uh, when it came over was uh, immense and they closed a lot of the roads and uh, obviously the parking because there were just masses and masses of people. Now, I would imagine, I say I would imagine, I know that um, having two Lancasters flying has got to draw a lot of extra people who aren't normally sort of interested um, in that many air shows, but will uh, do a few more. Uh, now that we have two Lancasters together this year, it's only for two months. So uh, we're gone from sort of the next few days onwards. Um, so what we're in, we've got August, September. I would imagine October, that should be leaving some time back for the uh, transit back to Canada. But um, there are numerous uh, air shows that these aircraft will be flying together in formation, um, which I hope to see uh, at some point uh, in the next uh, coming months. And coming weeks, so that should be uh, something worth uh, looking into. So what do you think of two Lancasters flying together? That would be awesome to oh, see. We, we've seen one, yes, haven't we? Obviously, uh, I just want to, I just want to uh, feel and hear two Lancasters flying mm. in the air. All those Merlin engines. You're going to have eight engines uh, going together, um, which I've never heard ever ever before um, on two Lancasters. And if they have them two flying uh, also, and then they have the Hurricanes and Spitfires in a mass formation, that would be something else. And uh, that would most likely happen at Duxford and one or two other air shows, um, weather permitting. So, yeah. Right, the next piece of news is a Q8 received its first KC-130J tanker. Um, A lot of um, places are now using uh, tankers, but they're uh, jet-powered tankers. Um, but obviously, uh, Q8 is still um, sort of using uh, prop uh, Hercules. And th- this is the J version, which is the latest version. Uh, Lockheed mm. Martin has delivered its first of three uh, tanker transports to Q8 Air Force, providing the service to new air-to-air refueling capabilities. So it just uh, goes to show that you can still um, have uh, sort of prop aircraft refueling um, aircraft. And there's not that many about now, as I don't know um, any other uh, sort of um, most most air, most uh, air forces are, are kind of moving over, aren't they, to um, the A three thirty? Yes, multi role tanker. Yes, um, that is uh, one. So yeah, and the uh, KC one three fives. What engines are powering that uh, that uh, that aircraft, Simon? Um, I don't exactly uh, know. Is that actually on there? Right, it's the uh, Rolls-Royce AE2100D3 powered KC-130J. Um, so we've got four of those. Um, so powered by Rolls-Royce engines. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and these are, I think, the, these are the uh, new props, not the flat-bladed uh, props that we've got on here. They're sort of... Um, yeah, the J-series Herc, yeah. Yes. Um, and these are efficient uh, um, in uh, more ways than the older versions. Yeah, so... Right, and uh, next piece of news is a NATO to upgrade the AWACS fleet. Um, and a lot of people uh, know this as well. The uh, AWACS are based on the uh, Boeing 707 um, uh, with uh, the black and white dish on top of the aircraft. Um, so, yeah, uh, NATO's fleet of the Boeing E3A Airborne Warning System and Control System AWACS Aircraft is to undergo a digital flight deck update uh, under a program worth around two hundred and fifty million dollars. So wow. that's that's quite a that's <laughs> quite a big upgrade, up, uh, and they must have um, 
uh, sort of commitment to the uh, doing this because um, the flight the digital flight deck. I don't exactly know whether they've uh, got that at the moment um, or whether they're just being completely stripped and re um, uh, upgraded. Because uh, this um, here below on this picture, I don't know whether this is the old uh, version, but um, they're obviously trying to bring these um, sort of up to date and uh, more efficient and uh, easier to uh, fly. Um, flight testing the enhanced aircraft is due to commence in the fourth quarter of this year with uh, the asset to be returned to use in December 2015. So we've just got over a year, uh, just under a year and a half here. The new technology shares compliance with current and future air traffic control navigation requirements, giving the aircraft broader access to the airspace around the world, says Boeing. Other advantage of the new uh, avionics package picture below include improved access to engine navigation and radar data, which enables a reduction from four to three flight deck personnel. So they're taking one of the uh, personnel out, uh, Carlos, as they um, give these um, upgrades. So we're taking, let's take one of the uh, people out there. They've actually got a photo on here on the uh, Flight Global site where this news story is of the flight deck there, Simon. Yes. Um, which uh, looks quite different with the big uh, glass display panels on there um no on the actual flight is deck. this the old um is this the old uh, version before the upgrades yeah, this is the new the upgraded uh that's the picture there is the upgraded uh, cockpit with the new avionics right, okay. yeah that's what it's going to look like right we'll we'll put a link on our show notes page on the website on uh, plaintalkinguk.com if you go to our show notes section on there We'll put a link to this uh, story so you can have a look at the <coughs> photo of the uh, cockpit of the upgraded with the a- upgraded avionics. There's also a good picture as well of the aircraft itself, with the Simon. Yes, for those of you who, yes, uh, that's uh, quite a high altitude um, uh, above the clouds there. That's a lovely picture. Um, I've actually seen one of these um, when Air Force One. I think I've said this in a previous podcast when Air Force One was over with uh, George W. Bush quite a few years back when he was in uh, office. Um, they were actually on patrol um, in the area, just protecting the airspace um, when Air Force One was about. And um, was actually, um, we had to park quite a while away. Um, and um, we parked uh, about two or three miles away from Duxford and walked. And um, we, as we were walking, this uh, AWACS, um, RAF AWACS come over and he was mega low. He must have been about 1,000, 1,500 feet. And he came over with a dish, obviously, uh, going around just to do a flyby. Uh, one fly, fly past and uh, over the uh, Duxford airfield. And because he was so low, I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, a, the sort of the draft and the wash from a, um, a big aircraft. It was a lovely calm day, but when he went over, um, we heard this sort of like whooshing noise coming towards us. Um, just after he'd passed and then once um once that noise that was getting louder and louder and louder and there was just like a massive draft that blew over the whole area and uh didn't blow us over but you could feel a, a mass draft whoosh come over the top of as as he'd passed which was uh very interesting and is quite an experience um uh, so if anybody has ever uh, felt that before, which I'm sure you had. You, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, it's quite um, sort of exciting, really. Right. Next story, then? Yes, next story. 
The next piece of news is uh, the UK steps up the Iraqi support with the C-130Js. This is another bit of uh, news, um, obviously on top of the uh, previous one. Two Royal Air Force Lockheed Martin C-130J Hercules tactical transports have uh, been deployed to provide aid to dispatch Iraqis stranded in the Mount Sinjar region of the country. The aircraft will deliver aid to people from religious minorities pushed from their homes following the advancement of the Iraqi insurgents throughout the country. The UK government announced on the 9th of August the two RAF C-130Js are getting desperately needed uh, aid to those caught up in the violence in Iraq, says uh, Justin Greening, International Development Secretary. This means help from Britain, which will reach thousands of people uh, trapped in Mount Sinjar. Among these supplies being delivered are reusable containers filled with clean water for 2,400 families, as well as 500 solar lanterns that can be used to recharge mobile phones. So um, that is uh, good, and they will be taken out of uh, Bryce Norton, I would imagine. Um, yeah, so uh, the that's quite sort of um, busy um, there, as we can see that uh, photo. Let me just uh, give you a bit more uh, information on this. In addition, the humanitarian support of the largely uh, yelled the uh, people stranded in a mountainside. The US is also conducting airstrikes against the Islamic State fighters following President Barack Obama's authorization on the 7th of August. The US Navy has uh, fired on Islamic State insurgents uh, using a Boeing F-18EF Super Hornets. Um, so it's a, a very hostile environment there at the moment. I've been reading some of the reports and uh, it's uh, quite sad uh, to see... Um, what's going on out there again and so uh, let's hope that that gets sorted out uh, really quickly uh, the next piece of news is the voyager graduation ceremony uh, ah, the voyager that's our new tanker isn't it Simon? yes it's uh, replaced um the vc10 um which this one will be uh, uh, uh based out of rf bryce norton uh, as will, will uh, all the uh, voyagers the full Voyager capability was accepted by the Royal Air Force uh, Air Mobility Wing on the 30th of July 2014 with, an, with an, a formal ceremony that took place at the RAF Air Force uh, Bryce Norton that marked the transition of the capability of being an HQ Air Command program to an Air Mobility Wing service held in the Voyager hangar and delivered to representatives of the RAF Defence Equipment and Support, an air tanker, Air Commodore John Ager, and the Air Commodore David Lee gave speeches charting the rapid uh, progress, progress of the programme and the aircraft's new operational capability. This was followed by a formal signing marking the Voyager's graduation and reception. Um, <coughs> The Voyager represents a quantum leap in capability and reliability and will be essential to the UK defence outputs. This capability is delivered through the fusion of military and commercial best practice and illustrates what can be achieved through the uh, close partnering of regulars, uh, civilians and reserves. Although Bryce Norton has already demonstrated the operational value of the aircraft, the transfer from programme delivery service uh, to service delivery of all major with all major clearances in place, enables a fully focus on ensuring that the needs of our customers are met. The ceremony uh, followed the announcement by the Ministry of Defence Equipment and Support 
uh, Philip Dunn at Farnborough Airshow at the beginning of the month that uh, programme had been delivered on time and to budget. Completion of the core fleet of nine aircraft was achieved in May, consisting of eight cutting-edge military-converted multi-role tanker transports aircraft and and a ninth aircraft flown by a tanker in a civilian configuration. So that's um, quite an uh, impressive uh, uh, lineup, and they've got there now. The RAF Voyager is the UK's strategic air tanker and uh, protected passenger aircraft, replacing the uh, the vulnerable VC-10 and TriStar fleets at RAF Bryce Norton, based on the Airbus A330. The Voyager has procured uh, under the MOD PFI to provide the nation in strategic transport, air-to-air refueling, and airborne medication, uh, medical evacuating evacuation capabilities for the next 25 years. Together, Voyager C-17s, Atlas C-130, BAE 146QC and CSAT fleet form a strong Air Force, uh, RAF Air Force, uh, delivering rapidly uh, rapid military air mobility for the UK with this contemporary fleet of air, RAF air mobility air power the RAF is well equipped to continue to serve the nation for decades ahead so that is um uh good news there uh, just getting everything upgraded and uh we've now got quite a nice supply of uh, uh refueling tankers now then Carlos yeah that uh, unfortunately they had to replace a tristar but there we go that's uh, part and parcel of uh, things getting more uh advanced i suppose but uh, like we have said before on previous podcasts, the 330 tanker does look uh, looks quite good, doesn't it? Really? Yes, and the, uh, yes. And the Royal Air Force Grey. Yes, it does. Uh, and uh, is obviously going to uh, provide, as, as Simon said, uh, uh, the the tanker transport and uh, the needs for the RAF now for quite a number of years um, you know, to come, for 25 years, they're saying here, uh, into the future. Yeah. So it's all good news. <coughs> yes, it is, yep. So air show news, Simon. What uh, what have we got to look forward to coming up uh, in August? Right, we've got quite a lot of air shows uh, going on here. We've got uh, the uh, Blackpool, um, which is what's the tenth? Uh, it's the eleventh today. Uh, that is uh, going on as we speak. I'm just trying to think. It's the eleventh today. What's the time? That would uh, be uh, on its last hour or so and drawing to a close. Um, the Reds are out actually. Um, should be there um, at Blackpool Airport. And uh, the next air show is the Airborne Eastbourne International uh, Air Show, 14th to the 17th. Um, we've got the Reds there, helicopters, parachutes, and uh, display of aerobatic teams. Um, and the postcode for that is BN. I'm going to make a note of this because I could be going to that Sunday. It's BN, which is Bravo November 21. Three Yankee Tango uh, postcode. Um, that's a lovely air show to uh, go to. I've been to that uh, numerous times, and I always enjoy uh, getting down on the coast there, the south coast, and uh, watching the air shows. And um, the next one is the Northampton Balloon Festival, um, which is uh, that is on um, at Billing Aerodrome, Northamptonshire. Um, weather permitting, but at the moment that w- they could only tether the balloons because that's quite windy at the moment. Um, so yeah, and then we've got the Shuttleworth Flying Proms. It's on the sixteenth, and the postcode for that is SG one eight nine EP. 
Um, they're, they're good. I've been to one at Duxford uh, and one at Blickland Hall. Um, always enjoy the flying proms with the aircraft at the night and the fireworks and uh, the prom uh, bands and stuff. Is, so it's really interesting. And then there's another air show, it's a combined ops at Headcom Aerodrome Kent. Um, a lot of World War II advanced landing uh, ground airfield. Uh, so uh, that should be uh, good. And uh, the postcode for that is tn twenty seven nine. HX, and then also um, I'm running out of time because uh, I'm working so much. Is the Red Bull Air Races at uh, Royal Ascot, um, which I wouldn't mind of going to, but I know they'll be back in the UK at a later date. Um, that is uh, something quite impressive to watch, isn't it? You ever seen it on the TV? Yeah, I've watched it on the TV um, because they've got their own channel, haven't they? Yes, the, they have. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, sometimes uh, on Channel Four or Channel Five um, as well. But it's always good because the uh, aircraft put on some quite impressive uh, yes. moves. Uh, yes, um, using all those uh, extra 300 um, excess uh, stunt planes. And uh, who can get around the course in the fastest time is always fun. And uh, I always like um, watching them um, cut through. Uh, sometimes they do the uh, markers as they go around the course, uh, which uh, are just uh, paper, uh, which is quite interesting. Um, so that's always uh, worth uh, watching in their postcode for that is SL57JX. That's SL57JX. And then the 16th and 17th of uh, this month, we've got the de Havilland Moth Club International Tiger Moth Rally. That's at Woburn Abbey, Bedfordshire. And the postcode is MK179WA. <coughs> and then we have another air show which is a Sywell air show uh, at the aerodrome in South, um, not Southampton, uh, Northamptonshire. So um, uh, that is um, an air show on the air ambulance. Uh, uh, money is always raised there. And so there'll be some um, smaller aircraft flying at that one. And then on the 20th, um, we've got the Weymouth Carnival and air show. Um, and that's uh, two lots. And this is <coughs> going to be uh, combined in. So I know the Chroma Carnival is um, around this date as well. So um, uh, the Reds um, do actually fly uh, at the Chroma Carnival, and I think they're at the Chroma Carnival this year, which is next, I think it's next week, and they're there on um, the Wednesday, which I think is at the 21st, or is that um, the 20th? What is the, <coughs> What's the date next Wednesday? Next Wednesday will be the twentieth. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, so they will be uh, the Weymouth Carnival, an air show, and it'll also be at the Chroma uh, Carnival as well. And at Chroma, they're on at eleven thirty in the morning. So I'm going to be getting up early, early for that, and getting up um, to Chroma with the girls um, to watch that. And then uh, that um, postcode for the Weymouth Carnival is DT four. 8DG and the Reds are obviously displaying there and then <clears throat> a bit close to home we've got the 21st and 22nd and this will be the last air show announcement for the uh, uh, for the time being this is a Clacton air show and I think as of um, norm is the norm the Reds will be uh, transiting out of Norwich airport to the Clacton air show um, 
which they have done for quite a few years now. The postcode for the Clacton Air Show is CO151LD. That's CO151LD. And I do know the two uh, Lancasters, uh, weather permitting and operational uh, duties um, of other air shows and serviceability that they will both be flying at the Clacton Air Show in formation. So if you are intending on going to the Clacton Air Show, it's well worth it. It's an enjoyable air show. Um, check that out um, next week. And that is. Um, on Thursday and Friday. So, yeah, that will uh, be uh, well worth uh, going to. And uh, <clears throat> obviously, uh, we're in a sort of the busy uh, month, uh, air show season still, August. But uh, it, it's hard to believe this, uh, Carlos. But as we uh, sort of talk, and I'm sitting here at the table and we're looking at the air show uh, calendar, we are we are really drawn to a close um in the next sort of few months uh, for the air show season for 2014, which is such a shame, isn't it? Because it's mm. gone so quickly, and we've had yeah, has, we've had some really good uh, <coughs> we had some really good days this year. Haven't we, yes, so we have. But uh, there's still loads to do. There's yes. still loads more air shows to come before the end. Of the year. Yes, uh, a lot of them are smaller. Yes, um, but they're all still worth going to. Yes, and don't forget if you do wish to uh, find out more about these air shows. Uh, that are going on around the UK, do go to our website at www.plaintalkinguk.com. On there you'll see the air show tab. If you click on that at the bottom of the page, there's a link you can click on and it will take you to the uh, air show display page where you can find out what air shows are going on in the UK and around the UK um, over the next uh, upcoming months. Yes, yep. And um, I'm going to quickly give you a run-through of the... um air shows that um the reds and the transit times for the red hours of the next few days um wednesday the 13th of august they depart scampton at uh 11 10 a.m arrive at exeter midday depart exeter 14 20 display at minehead somerset 14 30 arrive at exeter 14 58 depart exeter at 17 57 display at falmouth at 18 15 arrive at exeter at 1849 so if you're at Exeter Airport, uh, which is nice, um, the Reds are going to be using that quite a lot over the next, uh, uh, over this coming Wednesday uh, as their hub for a few displays. And then uh, Thursday, they depart Exeter at 12.53, arrive at Biggin Hill at 13.30, depart Biggin Hill at 15.45, display at Eastbourne at 1600 hours, arrive at Biggin Hill 16.30. So um, that's quite interesting, and uh, also um, they're going to be looks like they're going to be using the hub of Biggin Hill in the next few uh, coming days as well. They're going to be departing Biggin Hill at sixteen fifteen on Friday. Uh, display at Eastbourne at sixteen thirty. Arrive at Biggin Hill seventeen hundred hours. We've been to Biggin Hill, haven't we? Sir? Yes, we have. And then on Saturday, depart Biggin Hill at thirteen twenty six. Display at Eastbourne thirteen forty five. Arrive at Biggin Hill at fourteen fifteen. And then Sunday, depart Biggin Hill at 11.43, display at Eastbourne at midday. And then arrive at Biggin Hill 12.30, depart Biggin Hill at 14.20. Arrive at RAF Scampton 14.58, depart Scampton at 16.55, display at Sewell at 17.15, and arrive at Scampton 17.47. So over the next uh, coming few days, there are quite a... Um, uh, a uh, busy time for the Reds, uh, quite a few displays, um, one, two displays per day. 
and um, Exeter and Biggin Hill, the places over the coming days, if you want to uh, see the Reds doing the takeoffs and landings, that's always uh, fabulous doing that at any uh, sort of smaller airports, um, which I always enjoy. So, uh, yeah, that is the aircraft information, um, and we're updated on that uh, for the time being. And uh, if there are any changes, um, do keep an update on the uh, sort of airshow websites just to make sure... <coughs> because um, there sometimes are changes. <clears throat> and the last piece I think we've got is our feature aircraft. Yeah, we have. We've got our, our in-focus aircraft of the week, as voted by uh, our Facebook listeners and email. Uh, we're just going to give uh, a shout-out as well to uh, to some of the uh, guys who have uh, voted for their aircraft on Facebook. So uh, hello to Neil McCarthy. Uh, he's uh, voted for the Messerschmitt ME262. <coughs> Are you right there, Simon? Yes. <laughs> and uh, Philip Martinsky as well, or Pilot Pip, as we like to call him. Uh, he's going to bring, hopefully bring us a segment for the show next uh, next time. He's quite busy at the moment. Uh, he tries to get us a segment every week, but uh, he uh, he's obviously a very busy pilot. And also Howard Martin as well. And uh, Howard Martin has voted for the Gloucester Meteor. And also Daniel Hannington as well. Daniel has voted for the Gloucester Meteor as well. And putting the votes together, uh, we're going to give you the answer to that vote after this. And now it's time for our In Focus Aircraft of the Week. So the winner then uh, is the Gloucester Meteor. And that's a British-built fighter from the Second World War. So the Gloucester Meteor then was the first British jet fighter and the Allies' first operational jet aircraft during the Second World War. The Meteor's development was heavily reliant on its groundbreaking turbojet engines, pioneered by Sir Frank Whittle and his company, which was called Power Jets Limited. Development of the aircraft itself began in 1940, and although work on the engines had been underway since 1936, the Meteor first flew in 1943 and commenced operations on the 27th of July 1944 with Number 616 Squadron of the RAF. Nicknamed the Meat Box, the Meteor was not a sophisticated aircraft in terms of its aerodynamics but proved to be a successful combat fighter. Several major variants of the Meteor incorporated technological advances during the 1940s and 1950s. Thousands of Meteors were built to fly with the RAF and other air forces and remained in use for several decades. The Meteor saw limited action during and in the Second World War, and the Meteors of the Royal Australian Air Force, the RAAF, provided a significant contribution in the Korean War. Several other operators such as the Argentinian and Egypt and Israel flew the Meteors in later regional conflicts. Specialised variants of the Meteor were developed for use in photo reconnaissance and as night fighters as well. The Meteor was also used for research and development purposes and to break uh, several aviation records. 
On the 7th of November 1945, the first official airspeed record by a jet aircraft was set by a Meteor F3 of 606 miles per hour, or 975 kilometres an hour. In 1946, this record was broken when a Meteor F4 reached a speed of 616 miles per hour, or 991 kilometers an hour. Other performance-related records were broken in categories including flight time, endurance, rate of climb, and speed. On the 20th of September 1945, a heavily modified Meteor 1, powered by two Rolls-Royce Trent turbine engines driving propellers, became the first turboprop aircraft to fly. On the 10th of February 1954, a specially adapted Meteor, the F-8, the Meteor-prone pilot, which placed the pilot in a prone position to counteract inertial forces, took its first flight. In the 1950s, the Meteor became increasingly obsolete as more nations introduced jet fighters, many of these newcomers having adapted, uh, adopted a swept wing instead of the Meteor's conventional straight wing. In RAF service, the Meteor was replaced by newer types such as the Hawker Hunter and the Gloucester Javelin. As of 2013, two Meteors, Whiskey Lima 419 and Whiskey Alpha 638, remain in active service with the Martin Baker Company as ejection seat testbeds. Two further aircraft in the UK remain airworthy, as does one other in Australia. Now, the air primary users of the Gloucester Meteor were the Royal Air Force, the Royal Australian Air Force, the Belgian Air Force and the Argentine Air Force, and a total number of 3,947 Gloucester Meteors were produced. The role of the Gloucester Meteor was as a single-seat day fighter, manufactured by the Gloucester plant, Maximum speed was 675 kilometers an hour or 419 miles per hour with a ceiling altitude of 12,192 meters or 40,000 feet. Its empty weight was 3,737 kilograms or 8,221 pounds with a maximum takeoff weight of 6,258 kilos or 13,000 768 pounds. Its dimensions, it had a wingspan of 13.10 metres or 42 feet 11 inches, a length of 12.50 metres or 41 feet and a height off the ground of 3.90 metres or 12 feet 9 inches. Its wing area covered 34.70 square metres or 373 square feet and was powered by two Rolls-Royce W2B-23C Wayland Series 1 turbojets. Each provides 7.56 kilonewtons or 17,000 pounds of thrust. It had an armament of four Hispano 20mm or 0.79 inch cannons in the nose. So there we are, that's our in-focus aircraft for this week. The Gloucester Meteor. Yes, and uh, we have uh, uh, r- regularly uh, seen this on the air show circuit, and uh, he was at uh, Farnborough. He was, yeah. yeah. And uh, also um, at uh, the other air show, which was um, uh, Fairford at Riyadh. Uh, we saw him there as well. So uh, it's quite an, uh, a nice aircraft. 
And uh, normally see that uh, aircraft sort of fly, flying. You get the uh, vampire and meteor, which fly together quite a lot as a pair, which is always interesting. So, yeah. So with Al, we are run out, we're run out of time, Simon. Yes, with, uh, excuse the coffin and uh, <laughs> the uh, words and how I've worded it, because I struggled a little bit today, so just come off night, so uh, bear with us, uh, or bear with me. <laughs> and hopefully uh, we'll have uh, Pilot Pip's segment in the next show, um, in episode 29. <laughs> Uh, don't forget, you can uh, you can catch uh, Pilot Pip uh, with his Plane Safety Podcast. You can get him on iTunes. You can download him via iTunes, Plane Safety Podcast. Awesome show I listen to every week and uh, thoroughly enjoy the show. It's uh, always good to hear uh, a podcast from a pilot's perspective, especially when it's to do with safety. Yes. Pip does cover a lot of the questions that uh, some of us do aren't or ask while we're sitting back in the uh, in the cavern sometimes. So uh, catch him uh, on his podcast, and he should be back with us next week with his segment. <coughs> so that's where we're going to bring episode 28 of the Plane Talking podcast, uh, Plane Talking UK podcast, to a close. Uh, it's been fantastic as always, Simon, having yeah. you in the uh, kitchen studio. Yes, thanks very much, Carlos. Um, always uh, enjoyable. And um, everybody out there, I hope you're enjoying the air show season. There's some fabulous uh, air shows. And uh, we are spoilt uh, this year being the Reds 50th, um, which is ongoing. And uh, also uh, having the Lancaster over from uh, Canada uh, with the BBMF from RF Coningsby is another treat for us. And uh, so uh, there's loads more air shows to go, um, but we are sort of over halfway through the air show mm. season now. But uh, get out there and enjoy them um, while they're still get ongoing. And um, oh, well, I shall be at, uh, hopefully Simon might be there. He's not <coughs> sure yet because he's got a lot of work commitments. But I shall be at uh, the Duxford Air Show on September the 14th. Yes. That's on Sunday. Yes, and I, I may be going there. to the Eastbourne Airborne Air Show this Sunday coming. Um my daughters are pestering me like mad to go because um, you know, they haven't seen the red arrows on their fiftieth birthday as of oh, yet. You need to take the you need to take the girls there, Simon. Yeah, so I You'll think you'll never hear the end. Of no, it. I think uh, we better get up there, uh, or I say up there, down to uh, Eastbourne, uh, weather permitting. Uh, it's going to be a nice day. So uh, yes. So if Simon goes, make sure you look out for Simon. Uh, I'm sure he'll be wearing his plain talking UK T-shirt. Yes, I may have that or my red arrows one on, but I will have um, a badge uh, with my plain talking uh, UK. Uh, uh, lanyard on so come and say hello if uh, if you do see me and uh, you want to say hello or ask any questions uh, about anything aviation I'll try and answer it if I can't on the day uh, I will uh, email you back or Facebook you uh, with the answers yeah don't forget you can uh, find us on Facebook uh, if you're listening to this show downloaded via iTunes you can uh, find us on Facebook uh, just search for Plain Talking UK Podcast you'll find us on Facebook uh, lots of people have, thanks to Simon and his uh, tireless task of getting us uh, lots of uh, friends via Facebook. You can also find us and follow us on Twitter as well, Plain Talking UK Podcast. You'll find us on Twitter. And uh, don't forget to uh, log on or look on or look at our website at uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com. You can uh, go on our website and uh, look at the website. There's uh, some interesting stuff on there, show news and uh, links uh, to find uh, other great podcasts as well uh, in the uh, on the aviation circuit. And there's also some uh, new pictures that I'll put up of me and Simon on the Meet the Team uh, 
part of the uh, website. You can click on there and see two glorious pictures of uh, one of me in the uh, on the flight deck of the A three fifty XWB at Farnborough, and one of Simon sitting in the Reds enclosure at the v- Riyadh. Yes, the VIP Reds enclosure at, at uh, Riyadh. Yes, um, yeah, uh, that was enjoyable, and we managed to get there and talk to uh, Red Nine and. Uh, that was in one of our previous podcasts, and uh, I was so um, pleased that we've managed to do that for the 50th anniversary um, display season. So, yeah, that's good. Um, that's just about it, isn't it? That is it. That is it. We're going to bring the episode to a close. So thanks for listening to episode 28 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. As always, we love uh, we love bringing you the podcast every week thoroughly and uh we look forward to bringing you episode 29 very soon so from carlos me it is a huge summary because it still is summer summary uh goodbye and from you simon yeah it's a big air show um 2014 uh, goodbye and enjoy the air shows and uh, keep the eyes in the sky yes eyes to the sky goodbye bye